1: Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESBN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
3: All right, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo Gibbe here, Z out. Boy, did he pick a great week to be off. He's done this to us like three times. He yep. did this on the Amari stuff with, no, it was Landry. And then the acquisition of Watson or I think he was here for the acquisition of Watson, but he was out for the um, for the first time that that was it was like, oh, we're on a plane. I think he missed that day. Um, And so, yeah, he misses. He's out this week, which is a good job out of him. Uh, I got to tell you, and I'm sure that that many of you are out there feeling the same way. And it's just me speaking candidly. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, Gibby. And the thing is, is you can say anything on social. Without any real repercussions of this, it's why I was so. I thought it was so important that we had Graziano on yesterday to just go through the facts of how this is going to play out, because there is so much nonsense on this. Um, it's it, like there is. It doesn't even matter who did it. I don't want to call everybody out who says incorrect things, but there, these are checkmark people. Um, there's there's a checkmark one that I see right now where it's where the last line says um, if. Sue L. Robinson recommends a two-game suspension. Goodell can add it up to 8, 10, 17, or whatever, that he has the final say. No, he does not have the final say. He has the final say if there's an appeal process. And let's remember that this is a, that Robinson is a jointly appointed independent arbiter of this. And so he, if, if Goodell undermines that, he's undermining the CBA. So that's not how this thing's going to play out. I don't think Goodell will change anything on appeal. I think it'll stay exactly where it is on appeal. And by the way, the NFL wouldn't appeal. The NFL would accept whatever she says. It would be Watson and the NFL PA who would appeal provided that happens. Um, but this is the, an example of the stuff that's out there that just keeps, you know, look, it's our job to chase it down. Um, obviously we do the show here in the building. So we have, we have information that we believe in based on that, but, but also just, the daily grind of this is, it grinds you down, man. It does. It really does. So there's a lot to unfold today in terms of how this is going on. And I, I do encourage you, um, we, I'm sure we put that, we, that was obviously in the podcast last day with, with Dan, that really laid out where this is and what's happening today and how long it could play out and the type of things that could come up. I think that, that's probably as good as you're going to find on where all of this is. And speaking of Graziano, um, he uh, w- was. He mentioned this to us yesterday, but just reiterating it, um, Watson will be represented today by his attorney, Rusty Harden, who will argue the facts of the case on Watson's behalf during the, the hearings. The NFL will present the cases uh, of five women, four of whom have who sued as supporting evidence for its position, which is that Watson should be suspended for at least the full year. This is Graziano's reporting on this from Andrew Brandt. In Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing, my sense is Watson's counsel will not only bring up behavior of certain owners, but acquiescence of the Texans, R.E. Watson's behavior. Representing Watson on behalf of the NFLPA is Jeffrey Kessler, longtime Thord in management side. He will hold no punches on that. Um, this from the Wall Street Journal's Anthony Beaton. The NFLPA only brings in Kessler for its most significant and contentious issues, so the union is not content to sit back and let the NFL have its way with Watson, which is what we've been hearing for a couple of weeks, that the NFLPA was readying itself for this fight and understanding that there was going to be a lot of precedent that they were going to be arguing for in terms of owner versus player. CBS Sports NFL insider Jonathan Jones, Deshaun Watson's hearing today could go well into tomorrow, that part we knew. The NFL, NFLPA, and Watson's legal team will all be present. Um, the NFL is expected to push for an indefinite suspension of at least a year, Judge's decision expected this week. I don't know if that's his own or if that's just cobbling together all the other reporting Correct. that's out there
4: on this. I think that's a bold statement, Cotton.
3: Yeah, the other thing that is pretty wild, um, I mean, I've seen several reports of Watson being there today. That is not our understanding of it. No. That Watson will not be there today. So um, he will be represented, but it's not my, it's my understanding that he won't be there today. Um, so that sets the stage. Here's the Cliff Notes version of this. There are a handful of people that I think have a pretty good handle on the procedure of this beyond that you're being influenced by who you're talking to. So if you have sources within the NFL and there's, I think a couple people who are here who are, you know, been pretty consistent on their information. Well, that's a certain amount of facts that you're getting through the perspective of the NFL. If you are somebody who has contacts in the NFL PA, then you're getting that side of it from them. And then there's people in the Watson's camp. So in Watson's camp. So those are kind of the three factors of where this information is coming from. Just from a timeline standpoint, there is nothing that states that this has to be wrapped up today, tomorrow, end of the week. There's nothing. This thing could go. Typically, I think it was Jeremy Fowler yesterday, who I think is pretty plugged in. Um, typically, you know, they go a day or two, but this one could go longer. Um, we, we just have no idea. The other thing here is anybody who says, you know, that they have an idea on what, a potential suspension could look like has no clue because we've never had this process before there is no precedent for this sue L. robinson this is first first go at this so we don't know how that's going to be viewed um and you can use any type of hyperbole for either side to to kind of buttress your argument so that's what we're trying to it's decoder
4: yeah no and that at the end of the day, you're at you're at the mercy of someone who has never played the game, has never really worked in the NFL before. I mean, you're at the mercy of a of a judge <laughs> to determine all of this, and, and that's it, both parties agree to it. This is what you get. This is the these are the facts of the case, a, and whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I would I do agree with you. I, I think that. Certain people are plugged in and the rest of them are, I don't know, if I don't want to say they're guessing, but they're getting information from sides to push the agendas.
3: Well, the other part of this that you're seeing is you're seeing people who are, you're seeing people who are taking various information from people's reporting and passing it off as their own information. So I mean, I've seen the, that a the ton. The stories of social yeah, media, right? There is because there's no check on any of this. There's no, no, you know, in the old days you'd say, "Oh, that's plagiarism." You're, you know, you're stealing this from this. It's like, well, who's your source on this? You know, who are you? Not that you name sources, but you have to have some. You can't just take other people's stuff. You know, so I, from the standpoint of, of, of where timeline, anybody's guess. From a from a standpoint of suspension, anybody's guess. Here's what we know. We know that this week, heading into this week, and my guess is Friday's a long week for everybody, that a lot of people taking the Friday off for the extra long weekend. Um, and most of the NFL, if not all the NFL, is off next week. And that's where I'm getting it. That's headed there next, is that next week the NFL's out. Uh, all the teams are out. The league's out. It's a week off for everybody. So if something does come, now I wouldn't imagine that Sue L. Robinson is bound by that in any way, shape, or form. Would assume that she could do whatever she wants once once she has a ruling. But in terms of the business of it, that would I would be shocked if there was anything that would be leak if something came next week on that side of things. Um, but that's where you stand. That's where you stand on it. And I'm sure like I'm sure you're you probably can hear like the it's it's a lot to go through. It is. And we've been doing it for a long time here on the show, and it's it's tough. And we you just want to have some conclusion to it. And you know we're. 30 days a little bit thereabouts from yeah. camp and so you you do need to get some some clarity on this but it I don't think it's I don't think it's as pressing well I think all of us want clarity quickly on this they're bound by nothing other than before the start of camp I think yeah. that's the only thing that they're bound by I think it's really important for everybody involved NFL NFLPA Watson it's imperative for all of them that the planes landed on this in a way I mean I think that speaks to the negotiating that was taking place, nobody wants this to be a, a, a long fight where there is a peel back and forth and, and the sides going at each other. Nobody wants that. NFL doesn't want it. NFLPA doesn't want it. So I think they're going to try and land the plane the best way they can on this thing. Um, we are all over the news. We, Baker oh was down oh in Norman um, at his, his youth football camp um, and spoke to reporters down there. And I mean, I we've we've been about as direct as we can be, even when we have guests on the show and they will. That's the other thing that's hard about this, because you're, you're having guests on the show and you're I don't like fact checking guests, but like we've had them on and they'll say, well, what if if something happens with Watson, would Baker come back? And we've been very strong on this, not not an organizational stance, but just Nathan and I connecting dots. There's Baker Mayfield's not going to play for the Browns. That's done. Right. And so Baker was available down in Norman today at his um, youth football camp and was asked, this is from Casey Murdoch, uh, who's down there. He work, works for Sooner Scoop, um, saying, quote, I asked Baker Mayfield if there was a chance for reconciliation with the Browns if they were without their quarterback this season. He said the Browns would have to reach out to start the process. Mayfield says he has moved on. Quote, no, I think for that to happen there would have to be some reaching out, but we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. Yeah, I think both sides yeah, are good.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm seeing – you know, the national pundits and the national shows are like, well, he didn't say no. There's a chance. No, he didn't say no. Uh, he did. He's, I think no. he did.
3: Yeah, he did. And, and, and I, so did the – I mean, it's it's done. It's This is one of those ones where it's – we tried. Yeah. Didn't work. We'll see you on down the road. Yeah. Both we're, ways. We're,
4: we're going to try to get you in a spot that you can be successful and you can move on and and we can move on. Yeah. It just hasn't come to fruition yet. Timing has
3: truly sucked
4: when it comes to this this year
3: no and it's yeah it's also you know the moving you know I'm sure that the organization this be speaking not any sort of organizational statement but I'm sure the organization would like to move off of would move on from that much as bake would want to be able to move on from it like he he wants to find out where he's going to play wants to get into a into a playbook and, and learn those things here's the problem of the places that you would say don't have quarterbacks, It's my opinion that those places also are doing so on purpose that their idea is, and we'll get, I think we have a Matt Miller mock draft coming up later, but like there's a bunch of good quarterbacks in this draft. And so if you're really bad, you might get to pick one of these guys. And so I think that's the other part of it. Like Baker is without question, one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the national football league. I don't know anybody who would argue that he definitely is. But is he somebody who can elevate a bad team to being a good team or a good team to being a great team? I think the jury's out on that, and that's why he hasn't been acquired, right? Because if you are one of these teams, it feels like we got to go get a franchise quarterback, whether it's Seattle, Carolina, Atlanta, uh, potentially Houston. Oh, he could have been put in the Watson trade if they would have wanted him. Um, New Orleans, if something were to happen to Winston. If you go bad, then maybe you get a chance to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So that's the that's the thing they're doing, and Baker would pre, is good enough to prevent that that from happening, because he'd go he goes to Seattle. They're going to win games. Yeah, they have talent there. Right, and the, I'm not convinced the, they want to win games. Correct.
4: You know, Atlanta. Eh, they've Same. got a couple guys, but they're. They're in it to yes, for sure to win the draft. Yeah,
3: they're in it. To me, it looks like they're in it to win the draft. It looks like Carolina is pretty close to being in it to win the draft. Seattle feels like they're in it to win the draft. Houston's in it to win the me draft. They're contenders, but they're what I don't. I just think that division's so bad that somebody has to kind of elevate, yeah, the rest of it. But that's that's probably the best you're hoping for on on that front. So that's the that's the thing that's hard with Bake, and that's the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo, is because they both are better. Then probably, I don't know, upwards of 10 options that are going to start in the league. But the teams that are of those 10, they don't really want to win. They don't want to win. They want to be, they want to make sure they're picking in the top 10 of this draft. So they get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or the Van Dyke kid from Miami. I'm not even sure what order Matt has them in, but those will be the names that you'll be oh, hearing. We'll get to that. Yeah. So that's why all of this is so hard, which leads us to. June twenty eighth, and this is where you are. That's where you are. You know. You, by the way, no one's here. It's just you and me. I guess a, there's a few people out there. The, there are more people, more people again than I
4: today. I feel like there's a little less today. Yesterday, yeah. I was I was stunned at how many people were actually here. They're
3: peeling off though.
4: It's starting to peel away. Yeah. I feel like by Thursday, it it could be you and me in here.
3: Yeah, I think that's in play. I, I think that's totally in play. There are so, more people here. I feel like we lost about ten percent of the population we lost yesterday, and now we're into yeah. It. The parking lot a little thinner
4: today. Yeah, so yeah. I was park closer to the front. To,
3: it'll, it'll continue to do that, but
4: for all for all of the the people that just keep saying, "Well, there's a chance that number six comes back." I no, not. I, I'm gonna say no.
3: No, we've been saying it. Yeah. My God, since yeah, like since it, the acquisition of Deshaun Watson.
4: Yeah. It, it no when matter that, what March? no matter what your quarterback situation ends up looking like after the Watson ruling um it's still not in play
3: <laughs> no no the ship has sailed from both sides from both sides um and and that was it so i thought i actually thought um i mean i i was i listened to the comments this morning from from bake he looked good I uh, was out there yeah. with the kids looked good and, and looks like he's ready to kind of move on, and kind of everybody is, but everybody's under their own the, the, the timelines are tricky well it, it, he he even he
4: acknowledged it he was frustrated he wasn't on a new team in time for minicamp, but again if if the browns don't have an offer that they can that they can take that is going to benefit them in some way,
3: why are you in a rush? I'm going to say one other thing too. Like, I think it's easy. That, in fact, it just it just happened today. There's a, a guy I really like on social, talking about how you know it would benefit both if they were if something happens to Watson to where it could happen for a year and put them both in there for a year. In Madden, yes. Like they're these are human beings, with feelings and egos and everything else. This isn't Madden. No. You know, there's certain things that you're just not going to. That's just not going to get passed. So I, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of where you stand on those type of things. So that sets the table for you. That's where you are. If anything comes out of this from a from the Watson standpoint, we'll be ready for it. Um, if there's any information, I again, there's a handful of people that I think are pretty dialed in on this, and then there's a bunch of people who don't have a clue. Um, but the people that are dialed in, if there's information that they pass forward, we'll have that for you. We'll have Jim Donovan on the show in the two o'clock hour. Uh, what I would like mostly is to just talk about his horses. I guess we'll have to talk a little bit about this, too. Um, but but that'll be fun. So you have that to look forward to, which is very, very nice. Hobson. Uh, Jeff's coming on little Hobson. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Jeff week. Hobson's coming on Bengals senior writer. will we uh, this week we'll go through kind of the other teams in the AFC North and see how their mini camps were, were their questions answered. Those type of things. uh, We will get into that in the 2 o'clock hour. That's around 2.30 today. Um, So that's where we stand. We're off and running here on a Tuesday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And
3: the Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath. A spa-like experience. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. In fact, the Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. Expert factory-trained installers. You give them a call now, you get $500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399. Or go to BathAuthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. Guys, they have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made right here in the United States of America. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outside. Standing. If you're in the market for a tub to shower conversion, they can help you with that too. Superior Products Expert Installers at thebathauthority.com. Again, that number 216 220 six, two, two, zero, eight, three, nine, nine, 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower model. Tell them that both sent you, and they will take care of you on that. Uh, Our good buddy Jake Trotter was uh, ESPN, NFL Nation reporter, was on RBS earlier today on how he sees this case potentially playing out between Watson and the NFL. Let's have a listen. Maybe not.
2: Am I supposed to have that up?
3: (laughs) I believe you were, Madison.
2: Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) It's all good.
3: Hey, we're all, it's all. Buffer for a second, I got you. We're just trying to get to Thursday, Madison. We're trying to get to the 4th of July weekend. Madison, you just let us know when we have it. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys buffer. All right, so we will get. To Jake on RBS on this um, I do think that the you know those group of people whether it's John Barr Dan Grazian, Dan's such a great guy um, Jake I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of good reporting Justine is doing a great job on this story she's got a lot of information that's pretty plugged in um, on on how this is Charles Robinson who will uh, join piece, us tomorrow so we'll have some perspective on it from him um, to get a little bit of a better idea of, of where all of this is but I do think that you know, I do think we do know where this is, you know, here. I think we have a pretty good idea of where this is. And, and we don't know is where it's going or where, when it's going. But in terms of how we got to where we got, I think we kind of know we've read the book on that, so to speak. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I saw someone tweeted out and I don't
4: remember who it was, but they basically said. Everybody just needs to exhale like we, we've gotten to this point. We've gotten here. This is it. Like, a decision will come from what's going to happen here in the next two to three days. And then you can move forward, whether you're on one side or the other side. We have reached the point where it's time to state the case, let the independent arbitrator, lawyer, judge, um, whatever we're calling her, she's a former judge, Make the decision, and then we move forward. Yeah. So I mean, let's. There's been a lot of things thrown about. It's been. This was middle of March, April, May, June. Yeah, three and a been half months. A long time. That we we've done this, and really it goes all the way back to last year when he didn't play. Yeah. But we're we're here. We're at this point. We let things play out, and let's see where the chips fall here over the next week or two.
3: Yeah, and everybody has, I mean, I think everyone has a similar level of fatigue and and ready to get some clarity on it. Um, I mentioned that uh, Jake Trotter was on RBS earlier this morning with his feelings on how this could play out. Here was Jake on RBS.
2: Yeah, it's difficult to predict because the situation in so many ways is unprecedented, including, you know, Sue Robinson, we don't know, we don't have anything to go off of. This is the first case she's ever ruled. This is the first case as part of the new CBA Uh, you know, code of conduct policies. So we don't really know how this is going to shake out. You know, I will say that it seems like the NFL feels pretty comfortable with its position because they were not willing, according to, you know, our reporting, Dan Graziano in particular, uh, you know, they're not willing to come off a year plus, you know, for a suspension. And and that's why the settlement talks broke down. I mean, I I, again, this is just me speculating, but You know, if the NFL said, All right, well, like what about ten games? I think Deshaun Watson would've taken that. I think he would have taken the ten games. That's kinda where we are at this point. But I don't know what Robinson is going to how she's gonna react to the arguments that Rusty Harden is gonna make, uh, that the NFL PA is gonna make in terms of precedent and also, you know, what why are you holding Watson to this standard when you're not holding these owners to the 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 same standard? I, I don't know how she's gonna react to that. Um, But I I do think that, you know, I do imagine the hearing is going to be done, if not today, by the end of the week. And then it's just a question of how long it's going to take her to come to a decision, which could take one day, could take one week, it could take one month. We we just don't know.
3: All right. The only thing I would push back there um, on Jake is the notion at one point, I'm pretty sure he said that I think Watson would have taken the 10 games. I don't think that to be true. I don't think so. I don't either. think that to be true, that Watson would have taken the 10 games. I don't think that he would have signed off on that. That's. Uh, I think that that is a far bigger number than he or anyone in his camp would have signed off on in any sort of negotiation, that that is too big. But uh, mostly everything else there is kind of the way where we are in this point. And quite frankly, folks, if you pay attention to it, nobody knows. Uh, Jake's as plugged in as anybody, and and he doesn't know exactly how this could go. Could it be today? Could it be the tomorrow? Could it be the end of the week? No, Nobody knows. What's the penalty going to be? Nobody knows. There's all this reporting, and I think the stuff in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend was, was probably pretty on point of the NFL's position on this, but I think you also have to remember that when something like that is printed and put out there, it's oftentimes done to set a narrative around something, uh, potentially to say, hey, this is what this is what we would like for it to be but we will settle for this it's sometimes a negotiating point and I asked Dan about that yesterday when he was on with us and said you know is this a jumping off point or is this the bare minimum and he felt jumping off point so um, we'll kind of see but the the idea the reality here is is there's there's not a whole lot for for anybody in terms of, of what this thing could look like or what the course of the next day or so could look like so. That's where it is, um, and the only thing I would push back on is the notion of Watson would have been okay with ten games, because I don't, I don't think that was ever. ever I don't think in play. his camp would have ever settled for something. Nor like would that. he. Nor would he. I mean, it, there's, if you would listen to everything that he's said on this matter, everything that his camp has said on the matter, um, there's really no examples where they would sign up for that long of a suspension in any sort of negotiation. So. Uh, that's where that is. Uh, some news here out of the NBA: the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers have offered a quali- have extended qualifying offers to Colin Sexton and R.J. Nemhart. So next, uh, Sexton uh, getting extended that qualifying offer. It'd be fun fun off- on another side of things. Be fun off season for them as they try to maybe skip a step in their rebuild. Um, and it's what now not a rebuild but rather a build and put themselves in position to. Uh, to be contenders, maybe sooner than later.
4: Do they do that so they could turn around and potentially trade him? Because then he would be, he's at a fixed number and it allows like to negotiate for a long term deal if you're trading
3: him or could. I don't know what the market. I've listened to a lot of people, uh, kind of in in the lead up to this, and Kyrie Irving opted in this morning, so that doesn't necessarily mean that he's guaranteed to be back in Brooklyn, but it's more likely that he is than he isn't. Um, I don't know what the market is for Sexton. I actually think he's exactly what they need if he could wrap his head around coming off the bench and being – you know, scoring 15 points a game off the bench and being an instant offense guy. I think that's perfect if he could wrap his head around that. There's a lot of guys who have done that to a very high level. I mean, Tyler Hero does that for Miami. Scores 21 a game coming off the bench for Miami. is vital to what they're trying to do. I think he could have that type of impact off the bench, an instant offense type of guy. You just can't play him and Garland at the same time. It's not going to work.
4: Correct. It, it, the Colin Sexton injury from this past season is one that I still cannot get my head around. He had a torn meniscus.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: A torn meniscus shouldn't put you out for the entire season. And yet it did. Yeah. I I don't – a torn meniscus timetable is, is not six months.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't – I, I would be foolish for me to weigh in on and get into that because I don't know the specifics of it. It wasn't something I was uh, following that closely. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the cool thing for them is, is you know, if they hit on a Sexton back in the mix, what do you do with Levert? They can position themselves to not only uh, be in the running but can can maybe skip a step in this rebuild. Let's remember how good they were before the, all the injuries. You know, they were a top-four team in the East before the, all the injuries. So if if that can be the case again – you're right there and that leads to a very fun uh, fun winter here uh, in Northeast Ohio yeah I just uh, so I, I looked I looked it up okay WebMD
4: three to uh, six weeks to three months that still would have put you back in time for the playoffs and down the stretch especially when you had guys just fallen by the wayside yeah <laughs> it, the, I don't know it, 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 uh, they make a lot more money than me and they have very good people. You probably just want to be – the only thing I think
3: is you just want to be cautious with somebody that young, you know, just be ultra-cautious with it. Make sure you get it done right.
4: That one will always – I mean, flat out, he was coming
3: into his own. He can score the basketball. Sure, but he was also – you know, it's also one of those things where, like, you saw him around constantly, like, getting shots up afterwards and everything. Like, he stayed engaged the whole time. Seems like he's got the perfect work ethic and everything you'd want in a guy. So, yeah. But that um, they got a chance. They're building it. I don't think it's a coincidence. Adam Silver at the start of the draft pointing out that Golden State built everything that they've done through the draft. I mean that that's on purpose. You know this whether it's in L.A. where that is just a disaster or with the Lakers or the Nets, like this three superstar thing. It didn't work. It's not working. It worked with LeBron in Miami, but other than that, it's fallen flat. So you got to, you got to do it through the draft, and they've done a very good job of doing that. Uh, we'll get you updated on the thoughts of uh, Thursday Night Football on Prime Video, take you around the league. Coming up next, you'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
3: A lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at keepitfunohio.com. You know, I had the, um, I think I told you that my wife likes the chipmunks. So we have Charlie, the chipmunk, who's running around. He's got probably a bunch. It's probably like a dozen of them running around in there. Yeah, um, of course. We had a uh, last night. My uh, my wife, you know, went out and did I don't know, whatever women do when they go out with their friends. I think she went to a concert or something. So that she goes to this. So it was me and it was guys' night for the boys. And so uh, we were we were sitting around outside, and a an old friend was reintroduced to the backyard habitat, and that is Hank the hawk. He's returned. Now what you're talking about is an apex predator. So now what you have is a meadow full of squirrels and an apex predator, ready and willing. Time to
4: thin the herd, as they say.
3: Well, (laughs) we were witness to exactly that. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It was a little mutual of Omaha. (laughs) Um, you know, right in, direct hit. We've got these black squirrels out there, and there's, and they, they're everywhere. And he got one. It was a direct hit for Hank. And I'm thinking Hank is going to probably thin these boys out pretty quickly. He's going to sit here on a perch and crush over the course of the next. Uh, I've never next seen couple of weeks. a hawk go after a squirrel, chipmunk, mouse. Oh yeah. I've never seen because oh, yeah.
4: we have them like, and I'm always like, it's oh, my yeah.
3: one dog? Eh. Well, the black squirrels aren't as big as like. There's some bushy squirrels around here, like the gray and brown ones yeah. that get pretty big. The black squirrels aren't that big. They basically look kind of look like glorified rats.
4: Oh, I know my dog. You got have those one. guys, yeah? Yeah, my dog, my both my dogs chased one down and took care of it. Yeah, I had it, yeah, and I had to take care of
3: it. Yeah, well, Hank took care of this one. That was the end of that. Was it right in front of the boys? No, it was in the meadow. It was a ways down, so it was it was down a ways, so we couldn't exactly see. Uh, we didn't see all the of carnage, it, but we saw enough to know that uh, nature versus nurture. Lodge nature always wins. And, and how does that explanation go to Bootsy? Oh, I think he was okay with it. He's not a big fan of them anyway. He can differentiate between the animals that he likes and the ones that he do not And I don't he's not a big fan of the squirrels. If the chipmunk were to disappear, it would That'd be, be a, a much bigger yeah. issue. And that'll take that'll take some pinpoint accuracy out of Hank because the chipmunks are more in like the boulders. So that would he'd have to really be on his game to land one of those guys. Do you have owls? Can they help? No, them I haven't. I haven't seen any of those. I haven't okay. seen. We have those giant woodpeckers. You got? You have those? Those yes. piliated woodpeckers? Yep. I've seen some of those guys, but I don't think they're carnivorous. I feel like that could bring down a telephone pole. Yeah, fact. There's no question that could. Yeah, absolutely could. Those things are. They're like B B B2s, <laughs> B B2 bombers. Those things are huge. Yeah. I mean, they're like this big. Yep. Yeah, they're no good. No, no good at all. I think I said that right. Piliated? Is that right? Pileated woodpeckers?
4: You said it with emphasis. Now you took the emphasis off, so
3: I'm not sure. Yeah, I had it. Pileated, that's right. Yeah, they're big. <laughs> they're big boys. They'll do some damage. You want to put up some sort of a uh, – what are those things that people put up that have the roofs without the roofs that are just the rails? They put them up around, you know, in their backyards and stuff? Oh, a pergola? Pergola. I've got a steel one. Well – that's a little bit different. Problem. Yeah. So, Steele, you're going to be safe. But you'd put up one of the wood ones. Those guys are taking that out. Absolutely. Yeah. They That's can... prime real estate. There's no question. Um, all right. Let's go around the prime videos. Thursday Night Football officially announces Krista Thompson as the host of its NFL pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. Where has she been? I thought she was with Fox. Maybe on the sidelines.
4: I don't know what they're doing and what they're assembling, and I don't know if I like the
3: lineup they're putting together for Thursday night football. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing either. I think that I think that really all that matters is the game. That's it. You know, I mean, I think you just want the game to be great, and I do think that that Joe and those guys had a great product on NFL Network with that pregame show. Yeah, uh, yeah, that they used to do. That was a great product, and I think there that there's. What you want, like, I'm guessing those games are going to kick at 820 again or something like that on Thursday nights. What you're hopeful is is that, you know, starting at, you really need something that goes from 7 to kickoff that sets the table for it. And it's really probably the only, it's probably the only game on the schedule. I think it even works better than Monday night because it's Thursday and you can almost play it right into the weekend where you can get the college game day type experience. It really feels like it's only Thursday. Because Sunday, even on the Sunday night games, you're watching football all day. Like, it's not like a, hey, let's get down there and tailgate and enjoy the night. You really get that feeling with Thursday night football. So I think you want something that you can take on the road, like they did, like Joe and those guys did last year. That was a great show. I think you try to do that. I think Carissa can do that. I'm just not sure where where she's been the last couple of years. I
4: I don't know. I'll find out here in a second, but, like, Tony Gonzalez got taken off of network pregames because it was too vanilla.
3: Yeah, he's not much for saying anything.
4: Yeah. You know, he's real good. He doesn't say much.
3: Sure, he could say some stuff. Sherman
4: could be great. Marshawn, I I don't know. I I mean, he could be be, so
3: passive. I think those are going to be taped things is my hunch on that, that they're like vignettes. Yeah, it could be. I think that's the case. Because don't they have – isn't Fitzmagic involved? In something? I think so. I think he's going to be
4: a part of it too. Yeah.
3: Uh, she was Carissa Thompson working for Fox. She's so she she's she was at Fox. She came up with Best Damn, and then that show went away. And then Best Damn Sports Show. Then that went away. Then she went to BTN like she was doing BTN games for a while. Then she hooked up with ESPN and she was at ESPN for a short stint and then went back to Fox. But yeah, I am not she, sure what she was. She rejoined she was a Fox Sports for
4: FS1 launch in two thousand thirteen. So she she was there okay. for nine years almost. Um, she began on FS1 as a host on Fox Sports Live, became a presenter for Fox NFL Kickoff. In two thousand eighteen, she replaced Katie Nolan as the host of NFL Films Presents on FS1.
3: Okay. Yeah. That seems about right. I thought. I mean, I think a lot of us thought that uh, Kay Adams would be the play there, but yeah. maybe she wants to go to the entertainment world, which is far more lucrative with far less work.
4: Yeah, I, I, it would appear that way. I'm I'm a little surprised. I don't know what the next steps are for K. Adams, but um, I just I feel like it's kind of a hodgepodge of radio host, or for hosts for this Amazon
3: Prime Thursday night game, and I, I don't know
4: what to make of it.
3: I think it, I think all that matters is you get it to Al and Kirk, and they'll they'll crush it. I mean, I think that has the potential to be one of the best game crews there is because Herbie will do his homework. He's incredibly likable. He's really good, and Al's Al. So you're not going to do better than that. that. That's as good as anybody, man. That's as good as anybody. Yeah. So that'll be a very very good group. I have no interest in what what this next thing. July 30th, Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell have signed contracts for a heavyweight boxing exhibition at crypto.com arena in LA. Are we sure it's still crypto.com? Can crypto.com still afford that naming?
4: It's a great question, boy. Really have kind of stopped hearing about that. No, recently. yeah, that didn't
3: didn't that that didn't go well, particularly. Um So from what I understand it, there are two YouTubers that are at the top of the bill of this. So people are going to pay to watch two YouTube clowns fight. Yeah. And then
4: it goes back to uh, the Friday song last week. Those
3: type of people. So here's here's the thing I don't that I never would have guessed. Like. When the celebrity boxing thing boom happened, I never thought it would last this long that people are still paying for this. And somehow like people are going to go to a crypto dot com arena, the old Staples Center to watch this nonsense.
4: I don't know. What's the price point of these tickets? Eight bucks. It, it should be. Yeah. It should be. We're going to pay you $8 to come in and watch this.
3: Yeah. No, I just, I don't, and I think it's beneath Adrian Peterson. Yes. I mean, he's a first ballot gold jacket. AP. That's it. Like, there's no, I, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, that just comes down to one really, really bad decision. That just comes down to one really bad decision for him and, and the when he trained for the
4: uh
3: I think like swaggy P's on this card. There's all sorts sorts of people. Blue
4: face card. versus Nick Young, Swaggy P, July thirtieth at the Staples Center.
3: So Swaggy P's the main event <clears throat> would appear that way.
4: I gotta know what the what the cost of these are.
3: It can't be more than eight bucks. You sure? That's my guess.
2: <laughs> <clears throat>
4: let's see.
3: It can't be. It can't be. More. I mean, it's probably. I mean, I'm I'm low and low, but it can't be more than like 22 bucks. Like, who's going to this?
4: Social gloves. No more talk. That's what they're calling it. Okay. <clears throat> uh, let's see availability.
3: Let's see where we are, Gibby. Give the people what they
4: want. Let's see. Get tickets.
3: Come on. I I think you're looking at at 24 bucks at most. It can't be much more than that.
4: Ticket prices start at 51. Oh, come on.
3: Go as high as 518. (laughs) And that's, by the way. Now that's ringside if you want to sit. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Here's the um, here's the deal, you know. Today is, today you know t- the date. Today is 25 years ago today. Mike Tyson bit off a, a chunk of Evander Holyfield's ear. That happened 25 years ago today. Wow, I remember exactly where I was when it happened. I remember how big of a deal it was. Um, that was I think people forget or are completely unaware because it's just now they think of Mike Tyson as the guy from The Hangover. Um, but that was actually the second Tyson Holyfield fight. That was something the Tyson Holyfield fight was something that was supposed to happen in the late 80s, early 90s. um, But Tyson was convicted of of rape. And so he went to jail. And so they didn't fight. People forget about that, too. Yeah, they didn't fight until much, much later. Um, But it was Tyson. Remember, Tyson's defense was that Holyfield had gotten away with headbutting him in the first fight and then in that fight Um, and although I think most people just viewed it as he was going to get crushed, so he did it as a way of getting DQ'd. It was the bite heard around the world. There was a time, it's hard if you're probably under the age of, what, 30, to understand that there was a time when a big heavyweight fight, a big boxing match, was the world stopped? It was on the,
4: just under what a Super Bowl would do. Correct. I don't want to call it the same
3: level. No, but, but it was. It had that you knew type of like juice.
4: Bars. If a bar had the fight, you had to get there six hours beforehand to get a seat.
3: Oh, yeah. For and sure. people
4: would lose their proverbial minds.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that that was probably the end of it because, you know, it it went go. It went back 60 years where big, big fight was big heavyweight fight was the biggest thing in the world. And Tyson was kind of, uh, you know both the apex and the fall of that because once he lost his relevancy, then it started to fade a little bit. It went, you know, there was Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe. a little, they fought a little bit, but that didn't have a whole lot of juice to it. Not compared to a The Klitschko brothers. Yeah. Like, but I don't even know who's the heavyweight champion right now. I I have no
4: idea. No. I mean, he did for boxing what Tiger Woods did for golf.
3: Well, it was, he, he came out of Ali. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, I mean, that's Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Foreman, like all of that era, you know that that leads into Tyson, and then Tyson goes to you know through to Holyfield, and then Lennox Lewis, and and then it's it fizzled after that. But it was there was a time where that's what you did. It wasn't just at the heavyweights because uh, you know in the in that similar vein was also Roy Jones Jr. Delahoya, like, yeah, Delahoya was huge. Roy Jones Junior.'s fights were huge when he so, fought. You you paid attention. Yeah, well, when Tyson
4: started to fade off those undercards were more exciting than the heavyweight fight because the heavyweights just hugged each other for three you know three minutes every round yeah it would it it would be a punch or two and then they'd hug each other and you were like "What, what what is this what are you doing throw let's go and the and the lightweights would just go at each other
3: yes yeah yeah they would that so I, yeah I don't know I don't know it feel, I think UFC is taking it out but I don't know if UFC is as big as it once was either.
4: I still think UFC is but I, I feel like every weekend there's a pay per view.
3: <laughs> yeah I think see, think there's too much of it. There was a time, I mean if you go back to like the Chuck Liddell, you know all yeah. of, like the his height of his powers that to me felt like the the biggest time for for MMA in UFC and all of that. I don't know um but yeah 25 years ago do you remember were you watching it live yeah i was in a bar yeah uh
4: on the east side i was i met up with some friends over there i don't i was 20 so yeah i think i i think i was dating a girl over on the east side yeah um yeah i, I over a, in mayfield i can't remember the name of the bar maybe a fox and the hound it, it sounds right in my head. I think they had the fights.
3: Yeah. It was I was at uh, my buddy Dusty Felska's house. We bought the fight and we watched and that was at the big we had a big house party and watched the fight. So I mean, that's that's, that's, that's what that we used it. to do. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Anytime Tyson fought, you needed to be it didn't matter if the Tyson fight was only going to last
3: 10 seconds. Well, like, and then he was that after that he was done. Yeah. He pretty much went away until he showed up in the hangover. Correct. It had a second life. Is there a definitive documentary on him? There's I don't the think there's so. the one, um, the one on custom auto is pretty good. The guy who discovered him, that's a pretty good one. But I don't know if there's like a definitive Tyson doc out there because his life is wild with everything that's involved in that. I mean, he's married to Robin Givens at one point. It, it had everything to it, everything to it, and then somehow ends up in the Hangover. Now I come to find out. He's selling, he sells uh, marijuana edibles in the shape of an ear <laughs> out in Vegas. Of course. In of course Vegas. he is. I hope Holyfield's getting something out of it. And he I don't should. know what happened to Holyfield. I don't. I have no idea what happened to him the last 20 years. You know, he was heavyweight he champion a was for a long time. he was a football player? He did. Vegas? Yeah, Georgia. Yeah, a nice player in Georgia. But I don't know whatever happened to Holyfield. Hard to know. Um, All right, coming up at the top of the hour, Jim Donovan will join us, the voice of the Browns, uh, get his view of all of this news that is happening uh, around the Browns at the quarterback position. Also get into Matt Miller's draft board as well uh, as we have a very early mock. Boy, no kidding, very, very early mock. We'll have a little fun with that coming up, and then we'll continue around the AFC North. Jeff Hobson on what mandatory minicamp was like down in Cincinnati. That's all coming up in the final hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste
3: Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer's employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit rumpke.com to learn more. And with that, we head out on the hotline for a visit with our great friend, the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan. And as typically the case, we want to know what you're doing right now, sir. Where, Where do we find you right now?
0: Oh, I'm on the farm right now, and it is just a beautiful, quiet, very peaceful day. I mean, peaceful for everybody that is, that is uh, living on this little plot of land here. It's just a beautiful day. Horses are great, uh, awaiting a hay shipment pretty soon, uh, I like it. and probably going to pick up a second job or perhaps a third job to pay for that, <laughs> <day. laughs>
1: that hay. That hay's jumping
3: in prices. I'll tell you what, there's no question. Uh I could I tell you what I I don't know that the fuel costs would make it prohibitive but we could absolutely send some hay from Montana your way buddy. Uh oh. we we produce some of that so we could ship it. I'm just not sure that the gas prices are going to make it very easy for uh for it to make any economical sense. Um yeah well, we pony- we have kind of we have kind
0: of deliberated on growing some of our own here. There you go. But um the horses have claimed a lot of the land here for their own uh, recreational activities and so it would really be I would imagine there would be quite a deal, you know, quite a bit of protest if we cut off some of their, uh, you know, grass grazing room and uh, that suddenly became a hay field. So I think we're stuck waiting for the hay delivery.
3: I tell you, if it ever comes to that, that's a little something I know something (laughs) about. I'd be happy to come out and help you uh, with with hay in season out there on the Ponderosa, my friend. Um, (laughs) Hey, this is we this is. I tell you, I needed the laugh, Jim, and I needed the warp. I needed to hear your voice because I'm telling you, I'm so fatigued uh, by, by all of this. And it's, it's just, one. Yeah. it just never, it feels like it's never going to end. And, um, I don't know when it will. I mean, I know that this, uh, this stuff that Watson's team and is meeting with the NFL today. We know the NFL is going to present their case. I think we have a pretty good idea of kind of the way that this thing is going to be presented and how it's going to go. But Jim, we have no idea how long this will last. We have no idea when a ruling will come. We have no idea what's going to be asked from the NFL from a ruling standpoint or what the, what the counter will be to that. There's all of this reporting that's out there. Uh, on a daily basis, and, and just from even, even what you do at, at Channel 3, how are you wading through all of this?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's top of every show. I mean, it really sure. is. And um, I don't think uh, there, are, there is a segment of the population around Northeast Ohio that, um, and I think I'm picking it up from you, too. And, and it's certainly, you know, understandable. There is a Watson fatigue that is going on because I think people are very fatigued by the story. And some people are very upset by the story, and I can understand mm-hmm. that too, but it is a story, um, and enough people you know definitely wherever you go, they want to know, do you know anything? Is there a conclusion coming? Uh, when do we know if he's going to play, how much he's going to play um, and it's it's It is daily it and it and it really seems to change almost hourly in the last week. It really has kind of picked up in its pace. Of news coming out. And it comes out from everywhere now, Bo. I mean, it certainly is pouring out of Houston. It's pouring out of the offices of Tony Busby. And then there's a defense mechanism uh, on the Watson side with Rusty Hardin. And now you've got the NFL PA ready to defend Watson, and they become a big part of it. And then you have these very, very strategically placed stories at the end of the last couple of weeks uh, coming out in the in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times. And that is kind of the voice of the NFL kind of sending out their message as to how they're going to fight this thing and what kind of suspension they're going to demand or at least ask for uh, from Sue Robinson in this case. So it is, it's an amazing tale. It's amazing also when you think of just take a look at where we are today and what's going on today. The Watson hearing is going on today. Yeah. And also in Norman, Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield has a football camp. And we are talking about the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation and not one iota of it concerns anything that is going on on the football field. That is pretty amazing.
3: No, it is, and and very likely that both of the guys we're talking about right now. I think it seems probable uh, and absolute in the case of one of them that neither one will be the starting quarterback to start the season. So that's that's yeah. all out there as as part of it as well. Um, you know, it's interesting. You've been around this business a long time, and 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 I I feel like I got a pretty good handle on things. You mentioned something that I wanted to kind of hammer back because I think. Um, It's something that that fans ought to hear. Uh, When you use strategically placed stories, um, I'm quick. There was a fantastic HBO show called The Wire. um, And in one of them, uh, this great detective Lester says, all of the pieces matter. And that's the thing with this stuff is that all of this stuff that is coming out, these strategically placed stories, as you put it, they all serve an agenda, don't they, Jim? And that's something that, uh, you know, you think about, at the heart of it all, I suppose, we're all journalists. You and I, at least, came up this way. And and the notion being um, understanding where and what is the motivation of some of this stuff getting out. And I think sometimes it's hard, especially in the social media era, to kind of decode some of that stuff.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, there, you know, it's um, so much of everything right now is how is everything going to be received publicly? And how do you get it out there to have its greatest effect? And a lot of times you know, there's not a great deal of attribution. And by that, I mean, you know, it's, you really don't have specific people. When they talk about what the NFL is looking for in this case, there's no identity. I mean, you can assume it's the commissioner or you can assume it's a group or a cluster of ownership, owners in the case that are going to him and saying, hey, listen, you know, make sure that uh, you put the hammer down in this story uh, and in this particular case. But they're really, in these stories, that are published and typically towards the end of the week, because then they have kind of a lifeline through the weekend. And then you come back and you restart everything. You reignite everything on Monday. And, and that certainly was the case again yesterday after what happened at the end of last week. Um, But you really don't have any names attached to anything. You just have, you know, a a league source, uh, someone very close to what's going on with the commissioner or things like that. Um, But it's almost like you know the line no names please and and that's Mm -hmm. what goes on here but these things are very strategically put out there and and i think throughout the entire case uh from the houston part of it and now spilling out into the nfl part of it and certainly from the union part of it um you're gonna hear an awful lot coming from all different areas really you know four different camps the busby camp the watson camp the union camp, the NFL camp, and maybe you can add Sue Robinson in as a fifth camp, hoping that she is kind of an independent disciplinary officer in the case. But that's a lot of traffic to kind of funnel through and finally kind of kernel out what is the absolute truth in the situation, um, you know, and but there is a lot of strategy and these things are placed with uh, kind of a meticulous precision to get it out there on time so that it has the most effect. I think
3: – and you mentioned the uh, the Baker side of it, Jim. The, that, that was something that I think finally we can – I mean, I think those of us in the know, and, and you, you, I'm sure you've known this for a long – there was just no path for him to continue playing here. And that was both his view and I think the organization's view that – Look, this was going to be an amicable divorce, like it's there some ups and downs in four years, but it was time for everybody to move on, and yet we would consistently and I'm sure you saw this too consistently yep. see people, especially national people, not so much local people, but national people constantly uh hammering oh, they you know for one more year, and I just would keep it would so banging your head against the wall like listen that ain't going to happen and Baker, I think finally closed the door on that today, don't you think
0: yeah, I do, and I think what uh, people have to remember is though there was there's much more than a Sunday afternoon part of that whole saga from last year there was a day-to-day aspect of that I mean you know there was a lot that went on before Sunday afternoon in the lead-up to every weekend's game coming up with Baker Mayfield and the injury and the question about was he going to be able to answer the bell and play for that particular week did he practice what's his mood is he upset over the OBJ story are his teammates upset with the fact that OBJ is not going to be brought back. I mean, there was a lot more than going on than just saying, hey, listen, they have that guy under contract. They're going to pay him $18.9 million anyway. Why not bring him back if Watson is suspended? I think a lot of people anticipate this is almost kind of like a movie-type setting, that there would be this summit meeting maybe in maybe in Oklahoma or in Texas or in a diner off to the side, almost like that movie Friday Night Lights when they had to go to the diner and flip yeah. the coin to see which, <laughs> which school was going to go to the playoff. I think people are kind of saying, hey, listen, wouldn't it be something if the Jimmy Haslam and Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski were in some greasy spoon diner down near Austin, Texas, and the Mayfield camp came in and they, they hashed it over over a plate of waffles, <laughs> and suddenly, you know, he decides to come back and he shows up in Berea, you know, in late July to training camp to to have this one year that he can play out with the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, that is a movie script, but I don't think it's reality in this situation because of everything that went on, the day-to-day aspect, you know, the Sunday deals were what they were, the 8-9 and nine record wasn't what they wanted, his play wasn't what they wanted, and there were a lot of ifs and buts connected to that with the injuries and the injuries to the other members of the team, But the fact of the matter was, there was a lot of drama that went on. And I think by the end of it, there was fatigue. You know, I mentioned about the Watson fatigue. I think there was fatigue on both sides with Mayfield and the Browns.
3: Yes, uh, agreed on that to that end. Um, In in terms of a just in, in your mind, what is kind of how you see this from a timetable standpoint, Jim? We know that the NFL is off next week. Um, we, for me, it's hard to imagine something happening then. It feels like it almost has to come at the end of this week or it'll yeah. wait a couple of weeks to get some sort of a ruling on this. And I think that's what we you all know, want. We just want some clarity. Yeah,
0: I think so, Bo. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I really I think, that, I think that Friday becomes kind of a target day. There's uh, some reporting coming out from around the hearing today saying that this hearing may have to go into tomorrow because so many people are speaking in the case, you know, because you've added the union into this too now, which becomes a very, very important part of the story, especially for Deshaun Watson, because there's no doubt in my mind, they'll defend him and defend him hard. I think they like this kind of fight against the NFL and to test out this whole new disciplinary system that came to be in this new collective bargaining agreement. But even if it goes into tomorrow, that would bring us to Wednesday. You would think that so much, so much has already been talked about in the case, and they have met with Deshaun Watson three or four times, I believe, down in Houston, the league has, that you would almost be at the point that maybe, you know, I would target at earliest, maybe Friday before a holiday weekend to come down with this kind of a decision. Um, The later it goes, it's a real problem. I think it's a problem for everybody. I mean, and I think it really becomes a problem for the Browns and a big problem for the NFL because suddenly you would be going in to a training camp season and this story would swallow up league-wide what's going on, That's not just what's going on in Cleveland.
3: Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. And, it, and it, we kind of pointed to, to that Friday as, as kind of the way that it would be. Um, all right, pal, what, what, Give me some. let's end on a high note. You got any plans for the, for the next month here before camp? You going to get away? You going to do some, th- some stuff with the family?
0: Well, we're going to do a lot with the family. There's no doubt. I don't know about getting away because it seems like getting away is a real task. Uh, these days, I mean, I am hearing such horror stories from people who have tried to get away and are still sitting in airports waiting for flights that just aren't going to get away. Uh, yeah. that, that There's enough going on here that I think we're going to have a good time around here. And I enjoy this time right now uh, leading up to training camp. But there is an excitement that, you know, you're kind of counting the days to when, you know, we get out there and, and we really get it rolling. Because once you do get it rolling, it doesn't stop. I mean, it doesn't stop leading into a preseason game and leading into the beginning of september and going to carolina and opening up the season so uh i think we're just going to kind of enjoy the uh, fruits of our labor around here and have a good time around here and get some relaxation in this has been a drain as i'm sure it has been for everybody that's covered the story for you guys too i mean doing it a couple hours a day five days a week and uh, this has been an ongoing saga and I think we all kind of need a little bit of a break from that. So the sooner we get a conclusion to this, no matter what it is and how we're going to have to deal with it, uh, we, need, we all need some time to take a breath and, and come in fresh and ready to go at the end of July.
3: Jim, sometimes I like to say to people that to me you sound like the voice of God, and I hope you, that in this <laughs> instance you are, sir, because I hope we get – I need it, man. I need some conclusion on this, buddy. Uh, appreciate you. your time so very much, Jim. Thanks for giving us a little bit of it today.
0: You got it, Bo. Take care.
3: All right, that's the great Jim Donovan, the voice of the Browns, uh, joining us on the hotline there. We'll take a look at Matt Miller's early look at the 2023 NFL draft, and you'll get back to kind of that conversation we were having about Baker and how tricky I think it will be uh, to move him to another team barring injury. We'll get into that coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. (laughs)
1: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
3: All right, a couple things in the sports world here. This is from the college football side of things. The Atlantic Coast Conference approves a 3-5-5 format with all teams um, playing in one division. That will start next season. Um, so the idea of the 3-3-5 is that you will play um, three teams that are your guaranteed opponents every year, and then you will rotate the other games as it goes along swag walking by here looking particularly swaggy um so the acc first to do this the big 10 is going to do this too the big 10 will do this too they'll do this in the next couple of years the big 10 will, will get rid of this they'll get rid of the um they'll get rid of the, the two uh divisions and they will they will play a, a very similar schedule where you have three locked in opponents my hunch is that the ohio state opponents would be michigan uh penn state and then they would probably be one doormat so it could be um one of the eastern schools, Maryland, or Rutgers. It could be Illinois. It could be Indiana. It'll be something like that for Ohio State. But they'll always play Michigan and Penn State. And the idea here is that you make more, you make better television shows. So it's a better television show to see Ohio State play Penn State or Michigan for a second time rather than to watch them play Northwestern or Wisconsin or whoever else comes out, Iowa, whoever else is going to come out of the West. So this is a natural evolution, I think, of the, of the, the college model. I will tell you, I'm shocked, folks, that – after Texas and Oklahoma bolted to the SEC over a year ago that nothing else has really happened. Uh, The Big 12 has had their answer to this, which was adding Cincinnati and Houston and Central Florida and and that. But the fact that the Big 10 hasn't done anything is pretty stunning to me that they've sat pat and uh, had no answer for it. But I think you expected that. I didn't. I I thought they'd be bold. And I think there's a roadmap for them to be bold. I, I do. You mentioned used, it. Yeah, I don't think it's I think you have to you have to really lead. Kevin Warren has been the commissioner of the Big 10 has been off the grid since COVID. I mean, he he's the one who said, "Oh yeah, we're not going to play." Hoped everyone else would follow. The SEC said, "Well, actually, we're going to play. I think we will play." And, and then they did Justin Fields. And Justin Fields went and fought and they got to play five games or whatever it was, which was better than nothing. But we haven't really heard from Warren since. He's negotiating a television deal uh, for the Big 10, so allegedly that's happening. But who knows? Um, but I do think there's now is the time to be bold. I don't. I have. I really believe that that they they have to be bold here. Otherwise, you're going to get lapped a little bit. When you look at uh, what's happening around, you're going to make a lot of money in the interim because you still have Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, and those are still big television products. Um, but how much of that is based on how great Ohio State's been in the last 25 years? That's a big part of it. Is how great the Buckeyes have been. Absolutely. And you're not always going to be entitled to that. One bad hire is all you need. Uh, On that side of things, Matt Miller, speaking of the Buckeyes, I'm my guess. I haven't looked at this. My guess is we'll have some in here. So the only reason and I truly mean the only
4: reason why I even wanted to give you this mock draft. Yeah. Was because I, I know it's early. I know we haven't even played the season, but there's some things that just don't add up. Okay. Namely, the fact that the quarterbacks don't go one, two and three.
3: Well, yeah, so (laughs) so I think it's what he – so he – what I think is the most interesting right out of the gates is he thinks the Jets are going to be the worst team in football, which I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. Unless – and here's the other thing. If the Jets are the worst team in football, then it'll be in large part because Zach Wilson isn't good. So then they would take a quarterback. A quarterback. So so they they have him taking Will Anderson. Anderson is in the mold of – the Boses and miles and chase young. Like he's that much of a sure thing. He was the best player on the field every time they played at Alabama and they had the Heisman trophy winner. So he's a sure thing at the top, but if the jets are bad, I'm, my guess is it's because Wilson isn't good. So, and I don't think they're going to be the worst. Now the next two teams, I think are going to pick one and two. So the bears, he has the bears picking Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio state. Second overall, if the Bears were picking that high, I think they probably wouldn't take a quarterback. They would probably try to give Fields a little bit of help. Well, you would hope at some point. At some point. Now, they have Houston, he's got Houston picking third. He's got them picking Jalen Carter out of Georgia. I mean, I think that's crazy. They would take C.J. Stroud. Number one, it's a defensive tackle. Yeah, you can't take T-tackles. What? Third overall. <laughs> Not when you need a quarterback. No. Uh, he's got Jacksonville picking fourth. Um not
4: sure I agree with that either.
3: Yeah, that's Eli Ricks out of Alabama the corner. Um, Atlanta pick. So Atlanta is one of the three teams. The Bears, Atlanta, and Houston, to me, are the three teams that are trying to get to the bottom. In this case, Atlanta gets their guy at 5. They get CJ Stroud, the first quarterback off the board. He goes 5th overall it, to Atlanta. If CJ
4: Stroud plays the way we think he's going to play this upcoming season, yeah. there's no way he is there at 5. Someone's coming up. Yeah, he no. Uh-uh. Someone's mortgaging
3: it all. No, he's a big kid. He's got a big arm. He's got everything you want. Um, it's fun. So he's got Pittsburgh sixth. He's got Pittsburgh sixth. He has Bryce Young, the quarterback Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama, going seven to Carolina. Will Levis. Now here's your quarterback run the quarterback out of Kentucky. He was previously at Penn State. Levis was. They took um, Sean Clifford. They went with Clifford over Levis. Levis has developed into a dude. Would have been nice if he was still at Penn State because it's really all they've missed the last couple of years. They have him going eight to Detroit, Seattle. They have Jaron Hall, the quarterback at a BYU. I don't have a lot on him.
4: I don't. I don't know, but like Detroit taking a QB at eight, like he thinks Detroit's not going to be good. I think Detroit's going to be better than people think.
3: I do too. He's got Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback out of Miami, going ten. Um,
4: yeah, it was more of a big picture.
3: Yeah, I, yeah. Just from this, I'm I'm curious, like where he sees. Us. so like where's that other well don't forget it's the we don't other have Houston a first pick. rounder but where's so that 23rd. Houston he's picks. got a, he's got it twenty third well twenty third
4: puts you in the playoffs I'm yeah. pretty sure
3: yeah another Buckeye going twenty two Paris Johnson the offensive tackle uh, out of Ohio State going twenty two uh, in this one there's that pick from Seattle from Denver to Seattle Seattle's second uh, first rounder interesting just something Anthony different. Richardson going he's Anthony Rich, I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to start at Florida this year. He's got him as a first-round pick.
4: 27.
3: The kid from Ohio State transferred there, the other quarterback at Ohio State. I think he's got a real good chance at winning that job. So the Lions have a couple of ones. Okay. All right. It's a big-time quarterback draft. You got four of them in the first 10 picks. I,
4: well, I think there were seven or eight in the top 32 here. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that'll be the case. The biggest thing I have is I have a hard time believing uh, – that the jet, if the Jets are bad, that they wouldn't move off of Wilson because if they're bad, it'll be his fault. They have everything else. Yep. You know? No, they, I agree. I just, again, it, it's June
4: and it's one of those that I'm like, okay, but this is kind of an idea where you think teams are going to finish too.
3: Oh, yeah. The, that's, that's interesting part of it. Like, where does he think they're going to finish? And then, B, the thinking of if they do finish here, then what do they need? And that's the part that, that is a little bit off. I think the three worst teams of football going into the season are Houston, Atlanta, and the Bears. Yeah, those are the three. So that's that's kind of the race to see how how all of that handles all of it. So. Yeah. We'll see on that. All right. We will uh, begin our tour around the AFC North with a look at the mini camp down in Cincinnati. Jeff Hobson will join us. Uh, who impressed? Who, who stood out? Did they get all their questions answered as they uh, head into training camp in a little over a month? Uh, we will visit with him coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on A50 ESPN Cleveland. <laughs>
1: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
3: Elkin Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1 800 Elk, Ohio for a free case review. Elkin Elk's proud partner of your Cleveland Browns as we head out on the hotline for the first of our AFC North offseason reviews. And this one we head down to Cincinnati for a conversation with our good buddy, senior writer Jeff Hobson joining us. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, let's start back at the beginning of the end, and that is, of course, at the Super Bowl and kind of the, the weeks, the days after that, and kind of how the organization responded, how Joe Burrow responded to that run. Uh, I thought he had some incredible comments afterwards saying, uh, even mentioning the Kurt Warner football life, like, hey, let's let's also be appreciative of what we did. Did that kind of set the tone for this off season?
5: Yeah, I think definitely. Uh, you know, he uh, he, uh, he 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 battered, but he uh, got up uh, off that uh, podium, went in, and uh, appeared on stage with Cleveland's own Kid Cuddy uh, at the post game, and I think he uh, sent that message: we will not have a Super Bowl angle. He came out of that quickly, and I think that has carried into the spring, where they had uh, had their entire offense out there on the field, uh, and it's, there's been no change except for the three offensive linemen. So uh, I think what you know Burrow uh, said and has done. Got to remember, guys, this is the first spring that he's been on the field in his in his pro career. Uh, the first his rookie year was erased by COVID. He was in rehab last spring, so you know this this. Offense is operating, uh, even though it's a pretty curtailed spring. you know, they've, uh, they haven't missed a beat.
3: No, I, I imagine that they haven't. I, you know, Jeff, I never thought of it from that perspective, that this was his first real offseason uh, with the Bengals, yeah. and, and a healthy one, um, probably feeling as good as he's felt um, coming off of, of, of the incredible season they have, which is coming off of the big injury from the year before. Just from a, a health standpoint, uh, what has it been like for him to rejuvenate? Let's talk on the field first in terms of does he feel like he can now do everything that he's always wanted to do and been able to do?
5: Yeah, I don't think there's any I think, you know, I think what he was doing in the second half of the season, you know, was pretty much that way. I think uh you know what Callahan, the offensive coordinator, said was uh, I think pretty accurate. He said, well, what he really needed was the rest. You know, he didn't need the you know, he needed the uh, he needed the time off because of the training rehab and you know, and he quarterback the longest uh the longest season in the history of football. So he does, he, he does look rejuvenated. I mean, he has, you know, he, uh, and, and he, I, in another way, he set the tempo, the way he set the tone. You know, we talked to him, what, two weeks ago when everything wrapped up, and he said, I'm not going to miss a, uh, uh, I'm really, you know, I'm not going to miss it. Uh, you know, a workout, you know, this is not a vacation that's coming up. I'm going to work out every day. You know, he's going on a couple trips. He says he'll take his trainer with him. So that sets the tone, too. So, you know, I think uh, physically, you know, geez, you know, this is uh, we've never seen a Burrow uh, in this tip-top shape.
3: No, not. And then the other part of that, when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, of course, Jeff, is just their presence. And it feels like from what I'm hearing from you and from others I've talked to down there is that Burrow's pretty omnipresent, not just at the facility, but around town. He lives there full time. That's it. And and so he's he is the face of the organization in about every way possible, isn't he?
5: What he was from the day he got here. I mean, he was. Uh, yeah. I think he and Dalton were maybe on the roster for like ten days, but that was in COVID, and you know that was a uh, uh, that was that was the minute the place opened up, and he was obviously had been released by then. Uh, you know, it, from the moment he was drafted, it was his team, and uh, you know he did that early on with uh, with the social justice stuff. He came right out, uh, tweeted support for his teammates. Uh, and, uh, you know, every team bet in 2020 there, and, uh, Joe is at the fulcrum of that stuff. I, as he was a rookie as a, he was a captain as a rookie, you know, which is, even for quarterbacks, I think that's, uh, that's pretty rare. So, uh, this guy's, uh, you know, this guy's, uh, uh, you talk about what he did on the field. I always talk about what he did, what he does often, what he means often. Greatest team leader I ever saw was Boomer Esiason. You know yeah. and uh and, and and this kid's uh this kid's kind of out of
3: the same bowl yeah certainly seems like it and so then the job this off season, there were several jobs that the front office went about but chief among them was getting that offensive line sorted out they got three new faces up there lel collins obviously one of the the one that that most people know so much about how have those guys been integrated in through this offseason um and the work that was done through the spring and the early summer
5: well, you know, these guys are pros. I think that was the big thing, that, uh, you know, those three guys, they became the, uh, the most experienced lineman in the room once they came. In. So, uh, from a, you talk about tone setting. You know, you get Ted Karras. Uh, is a two-time Super Bowl champion in the starting center. Uh, Alex Kappa. Uh, some great teams with Kappa. Won a Super Bowl. Uh, and Collins was on you know was one some of the best offensive lines in the game so I mean, these guys are they're walking right in can, they're, they're plug and play and they're leaders too i mean yeah. that's the other end of it i cap I, capper I didn't practice because he had some uh he had some uh, uh a minor procedures done. He started back from the beginning of the training camp so uh he didn't uh you know jack um, you know he did not take the uh he did not take the the steps but he was there. But he's a veteran, you know, he's, like I said, he's a plug and play guy. And, uh, you know, three, three big question marks answered in the first, you know, 48 hours of free agency. Boom, boom, boom. And then, of course, uh, you know, the big, uh, question, I guess, would be there if Jackson Carmen can hold on to the starting job. He looked pretty good in the spring, of course, entering his triple in the But, uh, I think Jackson, I think that, that the left side is more natural for Jackson. He's had a year to transition from tackle to guard from college to approach. So I think they feel like
3: they're going to get enough picks there. All right, let's, uh, Jeff, let's take a look at that at that rookie class that was drafted. They go defensive back uh, with the first two picks with Cam Taylor-Britt in the second round, Dax Hill out of Michigan. Uh, know him pretty well, the defensive back in the first round. Um, what did you see from them uh, this spring? And did any of the other rookies jump out in terms of being very impressive for you? Well,
5: it's literally a quick look because they're fast. Yeah. Uh, but really honestly, fellas, you know how this stuff is. You can't get anything. You can't can't get much out of it except, you know, yeah, these guys look fast in the field. I they I do think they think Dax Hill really uh uh picked up the sister terrific. He's he's as advertised, very solid guy, uh with the playbook, smart guy, experienced, good character guy, uh, as is the whole class, I believe. But he'll really, really showed up as this, you know, he, he walked right off the draft board and was, uh, you know, I, I think they could feel pretty, pretty comfortable with that. And they do feel comfortable with all those guys. Nobody looked out of place, that's for sure. Uh, premium on speed in the backfield, and you can see it. Um, I think, you know, guys like Cam Taylor-Britt and Tyson Anderson, who are uh, the second or fifth picks respectively, uh, they both traded They, they traded up to get both of them. Um They're, they're, uh, uh, guys that are gonna develop. They'll have time to develop, uh, which is nice when you're in this situation. You know, you weren't, uh, there were no drafting for needs. You know, they went right, they, they, they let the board come to them. And I think, uh, you know, I think it, uh, they had to beef up, uh, some, uh, some numbers in the secondary, and they did that.
3: Yeah, they no question did, um, and and that let's stay in the secondary because Jesse Bates uh, is a is a big part of that and, and has been a big part of it. Where where are we now? Where are the Bengals now with Bates and and what what will that look like over the course of the next month?
5: Yeah, I don't know. You know, they're like uh, you know, like any franchise free agent situation. They're hoping they can get something done with them by, by July 15th. They'd love to have him back, and if they can't get him done by the 15th, they'd still love to have him back and, and work something out, but. Uh, I think all what they know right now is you know what they've always known. They love the guy. His teammates love him. Uh, a great presence in the room. Great leader. Uh, one of the best safeties in the league. You know, uh, and he'll be back. He'll play, and he'll be really good because he is. Beyond yep. that, how many years? I don't know. I think that's obviously, obviously they'd like to they'd like to hammer something up, and obviously they've got. You know, it's going to be that's going to be the challenge for this club in the next couple of years. They got a lot of talent. They built one of the most talented young rosters in the game, and they got to keep them. uh, How do you keep Burrow and Chase? Well, you know, you got to keep Burrow. You know, that's going to happen. And you got to keep, but you got to keep as much as you can. So uh, the puzzle, you know, the puzzle is just that.
3: Yeah, and it's it does feel like they're in their entry into what should be a long golden era here. A lot of young guys all coming up together they've drafted really well they're building it very well Jeff big picture organizationally um, and, and I know there's been some movement down there on an indoor facility and a, and a bubble and those type of things and I saw that you know season tickets were sold out I saw that the, um, the the facility down there the practice fields got a sponsorship on them so this is stuff that's heading in the right direction for the organization where are they with the indoor bubble and, and perhaps a permanent indoor facility down there
5: yeah, they'll be one. Uh, they'll be able to get in the bubble. Uh, I think they're thinking in November, you know, uh, just in time to get ready for uh, Cleveland, whether it's here or there. And <laughs> right. uh, you know, I think uh, I think everything's evolving with uh, you know trying to get uh, trying to get something permanent. You know, I think that's in the you know that's uh, uh, trying to get that done as well. But I mean, I think q uh, to the, the organization is as bright as it's ever been. I mean, uh, on and off the field. Uh, you know, I mean Elizabeth Blackburn, uh, Mike's uh, granddaughter, and uh, and her sister Caroline have, have, have come in and uh, done a been a big impact off the field with social media, uh, the website and video, and they uh, you know they've come in with uh, Troy and Katie is running the uh, running the day to day stuff. Their parents and uh, they'll be they'll be tasked uh, with keeping the roster together. Mike Brown still has it still has a hand in this, so uh, it's uh, you know. I mean, they've pushed all the right buttons, man. You can't uh you know, the Ring of Honor is up again. They're they're they'll have their second class in there. Uh that Thursday night game at the end of September. You know, that inaugural class uh really was a great hit with the fans of Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz and Kenny Anderson and Kenny Riley. It's gonna be really interesting to see who's next. Uh and uh, you know, so it's uh it's all you know, it's uh you know, uh, you look back at the '80s. You know, when they were coming off that '88 Super Bowl, how popular they were. You know, and you can probably multiply that by ten because of social media and where we are in the information in the, in, the, in the information age. The Bengals are as hot as it gets, not only in Cincinnati but around the NFL.
3: Yeah, there's no, there's no question about this. I'll get you out of here on this one, Jeff. You've been around the game a long time, obviously. Um, we, we, when you look at the this AFC. And the amount of young gunslingers that are, in some instances, haven't even reached their their prime of their careers. Do you recall a time as tough as it is right now in the AFC? Because I I think you could talk about eight teams that probably think they could win the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Yeah,
5: you know it's funny. You get so you guys know this. It's so tunnel vision in the AFC North. The AFC North is always ridiculous. You know, I don't care even when Cleveland was down. That was always a tractor pull. You know. So it was such tunnel vision. You Think of the AFC North for the last twenty years. You know? It's been some great clubs, great quarterbacks, great defenses, you know, great games. I mean you couldn't even think about the rest of the AFC. But yeah, if you peek over the curtain, if you peek over the the Steel Curtain and through the jungle and uh through deep Bank and the and the Dog Town, if you if you can if you can get over that, you look over there and you know, wow. I mean, look at the AFC West. You know, look at the look at the Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, it's uh, you know, a Tennessee with Vrabel is, is, is always. I mean, look at the coaches. Harbaugh uh, is a winner. Tomlin's a winner. Um, you know, um, and Vrabel in Tennessee always turns them up. You know, so uh, Reed, Andy Reid is is, is is always going to win eleven games. So yeah, but I, I I hate to look through the I hate to look through the I hate to look through the uh, the leaves of the jungle because it's uh, it's tough enough with uh, the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns coming in here, and it's been like that for twenty years.
3: Yeah, it is, man. It's an absolute meat grinder. Thanks for your time today, Jeff. Really appreciate you, pal. Have a great summer,
5: guys. Thanks for saying I've I've been around for a while. It's a nice way of saying I'm old, but have, have a good <laughs> summer.
3: <laughs> you too, buddy. That's Jeff Hobson, our buddy with uh, the Bengals, senior writer down there. Yeah, they're flying high. They they've got everything uh, going the way that they need to. They're lined up. They've got great drafts, um, and organizationally, they're coming along. And I think those the Blackburn family. It seems like they're kind of turning the page a little bit and getting everybody where they need to be in terms of how they go about their business. Well,
4: it, it is a when you have the franchise quarterback, you can start making asks of things. To improve things, your facilities, yep. putting in a, a winter facility, <laughs> uh, just in general, upgrading things, spending more money on your roster.
3: It's when the little kn- things they weren't doing too. I mean, we would have guys they, they they weren't they previously weren't doing. We'd have guys you know come in who were been down there I've, I've known guys in the league who had been down there it was a little things from like you go in for a workout as a free agent and they don't give you any gear or they would charge you for food that type of stuff like they're they don't they're not doing that stuff anymore so that's headed in the right direction
4: yeah so. and, and needed
3: like if you want you want everybody in your division to be competitive i mean this look it's when we get to as we are intended to be whenever that is um and you look around and this roster is what it will be as it's intended to be the Bengals, the Ravens. And if, I mean, for the Steelers, it's just a matter of, do they land on the, any of those quarterbacks or any of those guys that hit at quarterback? Um, but if not, the rest of their roster is decent. Um, but the tough us, the Ravens and Cincinnati, that's, that's brutal. That's brutal getting out of that. And then you go to the rest of the AFC and you start to see what's, what's being done around the league. Um, burrow had the crazy. Thing, I mean, it's, the reason I asked him about the um, – I've heard this from several people. Uh, Burrow basically – I mean, he's all in Cincinnati, fully moved there. He doesn't go anywhere in the offseason. He stays in Cincinnati. That's it. Um, and I do think that that's pretty healthy when your franchise quarterback is at the facility all the time. Yep. Like, that's a win when he lives there in the offseason. Um, you know, we just acquired Deshaun this year. But we had, I, to my, since I've been here, we haven't had that happen where people are here all off season that that's not what people sign up for no not in the middle of february no when, when <laughs> the sun doesn't come out for 28 days no it doesn't but he did down there yep he stuck around and <laughs> and did it and you know i think one of the reasons uh zach down there was uh, the head coach was saying look you know these st- these things aren't mandatory because it was going to be anyway because joe demanded it that's that's how, that's how you build it they it's amazing they, they picked the one year to be bad and then he was the kid who was available in the draft. Uh, we'll continue with this. We'll catch up with the uh, the Ravens and also the Steelers uh, coming up this week and see how their off-seasons were. Cincinnati's was obviously very, very successful. Still so much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Cleveland Browns daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland
3: all right so Gibby uh, is um, doing you send me an animal something from it's the, the call of world. the wild segment all I all right feel so like. there's a guy he looks like he's in the bushes hunt oh my and it's an elk charging it's an elk coming at him a thousand miles an hour and the elk smokes him the, the elk smokes the hunter um, and oh boy got him in the eye. Or did the butt of the gut boy? <laughs> I mean, that is a full day. Didn't right expect there. that when you went hunting this morning. No, but in a way, I think that that's appropriate. That's what you get. I think we all understand it. Like if you go out hunting, there's a chance that I mean, sometimes you get the bar, sometimes the bar gets you, or in this case, sometimes the elk gets you. Yeah, don't don't come at me. My job is to take
4: you out, not that's you right. to take me out.
3: Holy cow. Have you ever seen an elk in person, Gibby?
4: Yes, in Maine.
3: Enormous. Okay. Well, I didn't know they had them in Maine.
4: I believe they did. They have elk in Maine? Maybe it was a Probably moose. Probably do. I might be wrong.
3: Well, moose are even bigger. It, whatever, whatever I saw up there,
4: I'm pretty sure it was an elk.
3: I mean, that would add up that they would have them there. I mean, you're far enough north. Whatever it was, I wanted no part of it. I'm like, that thing could screw up a vehicle. All right, so there's no elk. The eastern elk disappeared from Maine in the 1700s. Sad. So it's got to be moose. All right, then I saw a giant moose. Well, they're even bigger. Yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, moose population. Yeah. yeah, You're good. That's where you saw. Yeah, moose are even bigger. Have you seen an elk? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, lots, yeah. They're a full (laughs) day. They're beautiful animals. They're fun. They're a good time. Don't get near them, though. Horns are sharp and pointy. Uh, The next level is coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850
1: ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN, 850 WKNR.